0: Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Give it up for the Wald Lake Missionary Church Band. They are brothers and sisters. They're just right down the road, and we're so grateful for them that they come, and they help us out on on occasion, and, and I'm just so proud to be able to be partners and neighbors with with other ministries that's you see for for us ministry we're all on the same team we're brothers and sisters in Christ we're it's not a territorial thing we are all in the in this mission together that is to reach people who need Jesus that's our goal that's our that our ambition and so I'm so grateful to have relationship with them and 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 they came here to serve you today so I'm so so grateful for that but we are just in the middle of, or just really beginning a series that we call sow, and that's because that's our word, uh, S O W. We want to sow uh, specifically, we're sowing into the Spirit, uh, which is what Paul talks about in Galatians chapter number five, and, and he tells us that. And in Galatians chapter number five, he says this He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. And it says in gentleness and self-control. He said these are the the fruit of the spirit. Again, I, who knows if he's referring to you know off fruit? He he uses it in the in the singular sense, fruit of the spirit. It could it could represent that. It could mean that it's just off fruit. And then you know when you cut into a fruit, just you know just as, as a way of example, um, I brought my apple cutter right. And with my apple, you you you've made, anybody own one of these apple cutters? They're amazing. Right? And then you just kind of, you know, cut into them like this. And then, so be, I'm trying to be careful that I don't cut myself. I needed my table. Well you get the point, right? You get the point. I I'm just trying not to cut myself. So um but this is how this essentially works, right? And then it and it sort of blossoms open and so and then it, it has each element, so each piece of the fruit has each element, right? It, you know, it can love and, and joy and peace and Patience and, and gentleness, self-control, kindness, all these these are fruits of the spirit. And so, or it could mean that each one represents a fruit. It could it could mean that, right? Because when you go to a grocery store, you 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 say, Well, I brought I bought some fruit, right? I I bought some fruit. You don't say I bought fruits. You say I bought some fruit, so and it could be a variety of different different fruits. So who who, who knows? It, the point is is that these are the sort of the evidence, or this is sort of the thing that you know that Jesus said should be demonstrated in, in us. This is, this is sort of the 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 identifier of being a follower of Jesus. If you were here with us last week, we talked about that. And in, in John fifteen, he says, "My Father is glorified by this." So the most important thing that you have and I can do in my life is that. We bring glory to the Father. He says that you bear much fruit that brings glory to the Father. That You exhibit this kind of fruit. And so prove, so the second thing is, and so prove to be my disciples. And so he says this is what will prove to be a disciple of mine by those who exhibit Fruit Exhibit you know, this kind of fruit, love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and you know, it's self-control. These are, the, these are what shows that you're a follower of Jesus. He says, he says in verse 11, he says, These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. And so when you exhibit these kinds of fruit, when you exhibit these kinds of fruit, it brings his joy into you. And I don't know about you, but all of us could use probably a little bit more joy in our life, right? You know, And we're not going for happiness because happiness is circumstantial. What we're going for is we're going for joy because joy isn't circumstantial. You can go through whatever you go through in, in life's difficulties and life's challenges, and you can still have joy. Why? Because that comes from God. And so when we go through life's deal, we're still exhibiting fruit. We're still glorifying God. And as a, and, and as a result of that, his joy is made full in us. His joy is made full in us. And so I hope that that's what you want. I hope that, that you want to bring glory to God, that you want to identify yourself as a follower of Jesus and that the fruits are, the, are our guide for that. And that you want joy and that joy is made full in you. Is this what we want? Good. Okay. Good. Good. He says. Okay. So he says. Verse twelve. He says, "This is my commandment that you love one another, just as I have loved you." And so Jesus start, started a brand new movement, and we call it the church. Jesus had a brand new covenant, and in, in, in the covenant that he made with the world, not just one particular nation, but all nations. And then he has gave us this one command, this one rule, this one command that we are to follow. He says this, he says, this is my command that you love one another just as I have loved you. He says this is what I want. He says, I, you know, don't worry about any other rules other than if you can get this thing down, he says, you're going to be all right. If you can get this one command down, things are going to go well for you and he even told his disciples this a couple chapters prior to he says this in verse, in John 13:35 he says this by this all men will know that you are my disciples how will people know Jesus that we are your disciples if you have love for one another he said, this is how people will know. The way that you love each other, the way that you treat each other, the way that you demonstrate kindness and compassion and, and care and concern and you know, and it's not just lip service that's actually Action, because this is the kind of love that God is, God is a an action kind of God this is what agape love is in the greek it's a it 's a, it's a form of doing for each other it 's a form of serving each other and we 'll get to that in a minute but he says this is this is the identifier by this by this now he didn 't say he didn 't say by the way that you you know, enthusiastically and emotionally sing worship songs. He didn't say that. He didn't say when you show up to church at 11 o'clock and you raise your hand and you dance around and you sing. Listen, all those things are a byproduct of the love that you receive from God. But he says that's not the thing that's going to identify you as my follower. It's not, it's not by you know those who are, you know, say, oh, I'm well educated in the scriptures. I know all of the scriptures. I have all of the scriptures down, and I am a defender of the scriptures. If anybody tries to compromise the scriptures, I'm gonna let them know about it, and I'm gonna let them, and I'm gonna write a post about it, and I'm gonna tweet about it, and I'm gonna write a blog about it, and I'm gonna do all these things. He says, That's not also another way that you show yourself as a disciple of mine. He said, he goes, it's not even by how elegant your prayers are. Some of you I pray with, you guys are amazing Prayer, Like, you guys sound amazing. It's really impressive. Like, I'm impressed. I think it's amazing. What, the words that you use, I'm like, I don't even know that word. Is that a real, real word? It's like, we're playing Scrabble prayer, you know? We're just, we're trying to, like, fit all these words that nobody really knows. And you have to look it up in the dictionary to see it, like, oh, that's a word, right? And then you connect all these words together. It's what I call Scrabble prayer, right? And so, listen... All that is byproduct of the love that you receive from Jesus, but it's not what Jesus says that will identify you as a follower. It's not even how much you give that identifies you as a follower. It's not how busy you can be in ministry or in service that identifies you as a follower. Jesus said this. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love, if you have love for one another. And my rule, Jesus would say, my rule, my command, just one, that you love one another as I have loved you. You know, we make our spiritual life, we make Christianity a lot about us, don't we? I know I do. I make it a lot about me. God, what can you do for me? God, how can you fill me up? God, what do you have to offer me? God, how can I know more and have more and do more? God, it, and it becomes about us. It becomes almost this, this righteous selfishness that we, we you know, always sort of bend towards because we our our nature and our, our our nature is sort of geared towards self, and we our spirituality becomes about that. And here's how I know that it's true because it's true for me in, this, in these areas. Anytime something happens in my life and, and I feel like, man, God, where is God? God, what are you doing? Where are you at? What's going on? I don't know, you know what you're doing in my life. And I, and I worry and I, and I fear and I get scared and I, and I don't trust God. And I, and I ask for you to pray and, and, and I hear you say, God's with you. God's going to be for you. God's going to do this. God's going to work in this way. And all these things are great, and it's, but it comes to me when it comes to self. I lack trust, but when it comes when it happens to you, I'm less concerned. You know, what I mean? See, you know, how, you ever feel that way when you lose your job? You know, you're like your your world's co- collapsing. When when somebody else loses their job, you're like, just trust, brother. Just believe, man. You have more right. You have more faith for when it when it involves somebody else. But when it has more, when it has involves you, it's like you know where are you god what are you doing god why god why because naturally we're selfish in that way but jesus is sort of flipping this on its head and he's saying you know what it means to be a, dis- a follower of me it means to love one another in other words proving to be a disciple has less to do with you and more to do with the person next to you Proving being a disciple has really less to do with you, how much you know, how much you can, you know, attain, and how great your prayers are, and and how much you give, and how busy you can be, and how many ministries you have, and all those things are good things. And I'm grateful for that, just so you, I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm saying, like, keep serving, keep giving, keep just growing in your faith. Are you hearing me? Everybody hearing me okay? Like keep pursuing those things, but Jesus would say, yeah, keep pursuing those things, but don't forget the person next to you. It's not always about you. It's about the person next to you that identifies yourself as a follower of Jesus. Are you with me, church? That's what proving of, as a follower looks like, has more to do with the person next to you. Paul said it this way. So Paul, you know, the Apostle Paul um, was a uh, man, he was a, a guy who hated Christians, hated Christianity. He was a Pharisee, you know. He was a, he was totally adamant and, and set on you know eliminating this what he believed to be the sect, you know, the, of Judaism that rose up out of Judaism, the faith, and and he was determined that he was gonna you know stop put an end to this. Is that's just the kind of guy that he was. And then one day he was on his way to arrest some Christians, and and he had an, had an incredible encounter with with Jesus, and he saw Jesus. And he realized, like this is God, and, and, and what you know these Christians are doing is true, and it, and, it, and it changed his life forever. He just he had an encounter, and experience with Jesus, and it changed his life forever. And as a result of that, he he changed teams. He went from trying to eliminate Christianity to now trying to build Christianity because he realized it was true, and he realized that Jesus truly was the Son of God that was going to take away the sins of the world and offer forgiveness and eternal life. You know through him and so he changed the, and so he went around all mostly around the Mediterranean rim and began establishing churches and he would travel through his missionary journeys and establish these churches he stopped at a church in you know or he stopped at a, a city called Philippi and there in Philippi he had some interesting encounters i encourage you to read it in the book of acts and he had some interesting encounters with some people and from those he they began a, a church they started a church well as he continued In his journey, that church began to, you know, you know, kind of get off track with the truth and and, you know, sort of started to allow false teachings to enter into it. And so he he they began becoming very, you know, internal. They became, became becoming very selfish, you know, that their faith was about them more than it was about anything else. And so the apostle Paul writes this letter to this church in Philippi. We know it as the book of Philippians, it's in our New Testament, and he writes this letter and he tells them this, this in Philippians chapter number two, he says, he tells them this, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. He's like nothing. So if you want to know what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, he says, here's what you need to know. He says, he says, your, your faith isn't really even about you. Your spirituality really isn't about you. It's not about selfishness or, or empty conceit. He says, he says, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. He's saying, you want to know what it really looks like to be a follower of me? He says, I want you to do this. He says, I want you to do nothing out of selfishness. I want you to do nothing out of empty conceit. I want you to, with a humility of mind, regardless of their standing, regardless of their position, regardless of their social status, regardless of their economic status, he says, I want you to look at one another as more important than yourself. What if we were, as followers of Jesus, demonstrating loving one another as Jesus loved us, what if we decided that the the person next to you is more important than you. It would radically change things. But that's not the way that we are. The way that we are is, is in, inherently selfish. The way that we are is inherently conceited. And it's about us and it's about what you can do for me. How can you meet my needs? How can you serve me? How can you fill me up? You know, I hear this all the time Pastor, what is it? What is it? What's in this for me? What, do you, what can you do for me? This is why we have people that we, you know, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know if it's you. I'm not saying it's you. I'm just saying this is why we have in this culture today people that love a variety, a buffet of church. People love a buffet of church. I like this over here. Let me take this. I like this over here. Let me take this. I like this over here. And so we take things, we take things from different churches that we, so that we can make up our spirituality and make it about us. And Paul's saying, no, if you're truly a follower of Jesus, it isn't about you. It's about the person next to you. And we're to do nothing. You mean, you mean not like nothing? Does he mean like nothing? Yeah, I looked up the Greek, and it means nothing. I know, I just blew your mind. I don't even know what the word is. I didn't look it up, but I just, I'm I'm assuming he means nothing from selfishness. He says, we're to have humility, have a a mindset of humility, and regard one another as more important than ourselves. He's not done. He says this. He goes, he goes, verse four, and do not merely look at your own personal interests, but also For the interests of others. He says, This is not about your, merely about you and your own personal interests. It's it's also about the interests of, of others. And that's the way that we need to look at each other in that way. Why? Because here's what you probably already know selfishness leads to pride. Selfishness just ultimately leads to pride. It becomes about me, about us, about what I can do, what I can get. And then then you need to know this, that pride is the enemy of love. That pride is not hate. Hate is not the enemy of love. Pride is the enemy of love. And so when we rise up and we bow up and we think it's about us, ultimately what we're doing is we're fighting against and we're going up against what what Jesus calls love and the way that we're supposed to demonstrate that love and show that love to each other, to the person next to you. And so Paul tells this church and he's telling this church, he says this, verse five, have this attitude in yourself, Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. He says, I want you, this is the way that I want you to have. This is the way that I want you to love each other. This is the way that you're to be when it looks like, you know, being a follower of Jesus, of being a disciple of Jesus. He says, I want you to have this kind of mindset, this mindset of humility, this attitude in yourself. That attitude was in Christ Jesus. So, what did he do? So, now he gives us an example of what Jesus did. He tells us in verse 6, who, although he he existed in the form of God, that word form means that that's who Jesus was. He was God. He was God. And you've heard me say this lots. He was God in a bod. That's who Jesus is. He, Even though he, although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, Jesus decided, or God decided, you know what, I'm going to leave my rightful place in heaven. I'm going to re- leave my sovereign authority in heaven, and I'm going to Come down to earth, and I'm gonna, you know, regard, disregard my equality with God, and I'm gonna come down to this earth and I'm gonna become like them. What he decided to do is that he removed his privilege as God for the sake of you and me. That's the way that God demonstrated his love for us. That he he became less for us. What, what did he do? He put you before himself. He could have been like, I'm God and I'm in control, and I'm creator and I'm maker, and they will serve me. And they would have, and it would have been out of fear. He could have, he could have gone that route. He could have made us serve him out of fear because he's holy. Anytime anybody had an encounter just with an angel, they were terrified and it was just an angel. Amen. God told Moses, if Moses, if I show you my face, you, will, you won't survive it. Amen. I'm too glorious for you to survive it. Amen. If you ever saw God, you wouldn't make it. But God, though he was, existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God, a thing to be grasped. So in other words, God Almighty thought of you. He thought of you before himself. And so love, ultimately, is the attitude of submission. It's the attitude of submission, Husbands, I know what you're thinking right now. I thought she's supposed to submit. Is it the scripture, I know the scripture, she's the submitter. No. Ephesians 5 says that we're to submit ourselves one to another. He's talking about the idea of, of us as next to you, the person next to you, the person that you do life with, the person, the people that you live with, the people that you work with. He's, talking, he's saying, listen, he says that the love, is, love is an attitude of submitting yourselves one to another. It's a, it's a mindset of humility. C.S. Lewis wrote this in, in Mere Christianity. He says, humility is not thinking poorly of yourself, but instead it's not thinking of yourself at all. And that's what that's what Jesus did. He 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 instead of he you know he just thought, he didn't think of himself at all. He just he only he just thought about he thought about you. But what happens in 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 our world? What happens in our lives? What happens in, in Christianity? What happens in churches? We become prideful. We, be, we pride rises up in, in in us. And there's even spiritual pride. There's a spiritual pride of what I call what I call comparison trap. The comparison trap. Pride rises up in us, and we start looking at somebody else going, well, why do they get to do that? Why do they get to have that? Why do they get to experience that? Or why do they get to go through that? And we start looking at and comparing ourselves to others. This is some of the dangers of social media. Social media can be a good thing, but if you if you're allowing yourself to have some pride in your life, and you think that you deserve something that somebody else has, and you wonder why you don't have what they have, or you get to do what they're doing, and you start looking at their posts and looking at their pictures. By the way, do you know that's just a highlight reel? Like if you like looking at people's pictures, they're like that's just the highlight reel of what's going on in in their life. Like that's not the reality. Always the reality. It's not always the full story. Right? You realize this, right? But we still compare, and we fall into this comparison trap, and comparison is just simply pride. I deserve better. I deserve more. I deserve what comes to me, what they get it, well, why, why can't I have it? We fall into this comparison trap. Another issue with pride when it comes to spirituality is a critical spirit. We become very critical of people. We become we look at people and we judge people and we 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 pick you know pick people apart and and we become very critical of of whatever it is that you know that you're envious of or jealous of. You know what the problem the problem with Christianity oftentimes there's you've heard me say this before are Christians And Christians who are very critical, critical of each other, nitpicking everything, judging certain things, just having a mean spirit about us, why? I don't expect you to answer that, but I expect you to ask yourself that. What is it in me that is allowing me to be critical of everything? To be critical, I am so glad, just, I just want you to know, I, I just want you to know this. I am so glad that I am not a celebrity pastor. I really am. I am so glad that I'm not out, in, in, like people don't know, I'm just glad you just know who I am, and that's it. I'm, I'm happy about that. Because too many, too many people that are known around the world, listen, and, and I, I'm telling you, we are, as Christians, very, very critical of people that are just trying to do ministry and serve people. And I, listen, I got news for you. Sometimes I say things that I wish I didn't say, but I'm glad that nobody took a snippet of something that I said and was judgmental and wrote, wrote a whole blog about it. That's pride. This is spiritual pride that we bow up in and we think that we know somebody that lives across the country or somewhere else that we can be critical of. That's not what Jesus was about. Jesus hung out with sinners and people judged him for that. Jesus even hung out with religious people too that you wouldn't want to hang out with either. But he still spent time with them that he didn't always agree with Jonathan Edwards said it this way: Jonathan Edwards was an incredible preacher in the late 1700s uh, responsible one of the men responsible for the first great awakening in our in, of, of Christianity. he said the spiritual proud person shows It is his finding fault with other saints. The humble Christian has so much to do at home and sees so much evil in his own that he is not apt to be very busy with other hearts. He said, Christians who are but fellow worms ought, he said it, not me, Christians who are but fellow worms ought at least to treat one another with as much humility and gentleness as Christ treats them. We got to be careful about spiritual pride. And then the third a correction complex. A correction complex. Some of us don't want to be told that we're wrong. Some of us don't wanna hear truth because truth is hard to hear. And we live in a society today, in a culture today, that isn't allowed to question or correct anyone without them being agitated. You find that to be true? We have, when we can't receive correction, when we can't hear correction, when we get agitated, when somebody tries to correct us, it's a pride issue, and it's not who Jesus was. Paul said in verse 7, but instead he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. So he Emptied himself, he took on the form, again, that form word means that he was actually a servant. He didn't just act like a servant, he was actually a servant. Jesus would say, I have not come here to be served even though he had every right to be served. He was God, he was creator, he was king of kings, He's Lord of Lords. He could have come to this earth, demanded you and I serve him out of fear, but instead he came and he emptied himself and he took on the form of a bondservant and was being made in the likeness of men. He was actually a servant. Jesus' men gathered in an upper room. They were getting ready to eat the last Passover meal together, and Jesus, before they ate, got a towel with a bowl of water and began taking on the role of the most menial servant's role, and he washed his disciples' feet. And he tells the disciples, what he's telling you and I today is simply this, just as I have washed your feet, you are to wash one another's This is the example that he gives to us. He was actually a servant. This week, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to Florida for a few days, and we decided while we're in Florida, we're gonna hit up a Disney park. Yeah, and so we went to a Disney park and My wife looks over as we're walking around and she sees Mickey Mouse. You familiar with Mickey Mouse, anybody? Okay, okay, okay. She sees Mickey and she said, there's Mickey, there's like nobody over there, which was like weird, if you've ever been. And so she's like, let's go get a picture. I'm like, we're just two adults, you wanna go have a picture with Mickey? She says, yes, I want a picture with Mickey. It was like her birthday, so happy life, happy wife, happy life, right, right? So I was like, all right, let's go get a picture with Mickey. So we get over there, we get in line, and we're, you know they're taking pictures, people are in front of us, and we finally get to, we're the next in line, and one of the workers comes up to us and says, um, Mickey has to go feed Pluto, and he'll be right back in a few minutes. She is talking to two adults, Telling us as adults that Mickey has to go feed Pluto and that he will be back in a few minutes. And I oh, you know, he's not actually Mickey Mouse. He's just playing. There's a person in the costume playing Mickey Mouse. She said, he has to go feed Pluto, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "All right." I'm like, "How long is it gonna take for Mickey to feed Pluto?" That's all I really wanted to know. Like, how long are we gonna have to stand here until another Mickey comes out of the back, you know, of wherever they are, and another Mickey comes out in another costume? How long am I have to wait for Mickey to come out? You know, and they're like, "Just a few minutes while Mickey feeds Pluto." Okay, all right, all right, all right. That was a person acting as Mickey Mouse. Wasn't actually Mickey, even though they like to keep up with that facade. The truth of the matter is, is that Jesus wasn't acting as a servant. Jesus actually was a servant. Love is about submission. Love is to one another is serving someone. Not out of obligation, not out of responsibility, but out of privilege. And Jesus was willing to give up his privilege to come and to serve you and me. Because being a Jesus follower has more to do with the you next to you than it is about you. Love is actively sacrificial. Love is actively sacrificial. We're talking about love. We're talking about the the fruit of the Spirit, which is one of, the first one is love. Love is actively sacrificial. Paul says in Philippians 2, verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is, for us, we, we read this and we look at this and we're like, wow, I mean, that's amazing. But when they read this, they're like, that's unbelievable. He was willing to humble himself to the, by becoming obedient to the point of death. But not just any kind of death, the most excruciating death, the most agonizing death, the most humiliating death that anybody could go through. That was the death of crucifixion, the death on a cross. But that's what love is. Love is actively sacrificial. It's actively sacrificial. That's what Jesus was willing to do for you and for me to sacrifice himself, so that we can know and experience what real love is and understand what real love looks like. In another time in our day in a Disney park, my wife said to me, she goes, my parents, well, the last time we were here, went to go watch a French film, a film about France and the history of France, I want to go do that, and I'm thinking to myself, happy life, happy wife, or the other way around, whatever that is. I said, okay. So we head to this theater in the, we're in Epcot, where they have the different countries. If you've ever been there, they have different countries. We head into this theater in, in France, and we take our seats, and it begins filling up, and I'm surprised at how busy it was, how packed it was. And we start, We're sitting, we sort of got in there early. We're sort of sitting in the middle, and everybody's sort of piling in. And I'm also noticing there's a lot of young kids, too. And I'm like going, wow, there's like young kids. How do their parents get these young kids to watch this film about the history of France? Like I just thought it was really strange. So lights go down, and then all of a sudden, Walt Disney presents Beauty and the Beast Sing-Along. We weren't in a theater, learning about some history of France. We didn't really pay attention, and we were in a, th- a theater of a Beauty and the Beast, Disney's Beauty and the Beast sing-along. That's what we were at. And I look at my wife, I'm like, we got to get out of here. And she's like, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> and we were like packed in there, so it would have been like, we would have caused this big scene. So I'm like, You're, we're going to stay at a Beauty and the Beast sing-along. She's like, yeah, we're gonna stay for a Beauty and the Beast. Two grown adults sitting in the theater, surrounded by little kids, and we're doing a Beauty and the Beast sing along. Now, I gotta be honest with you. I've got two girls. They love Disney movies, and or they did. Maybe they've outgrown it by now. I don't know. I gotta look. One of my look for my middle schoolers, like, Dad, don't say that. You know. <laughs> and they love. And I, I gotta be honest. I wasn't always paying attention to these movies that I would sit with my kids and watch, these Disney movies. But I'm in this theater, and I'm like, well, I got nothing else to do, and I don't want to sing, so I guess I'll just watch what's going on. Have you ever watched the story of Beauty and the Beast? It's an incredible story of sacrificial love. Are you with me? Like It was like the first time I ever seen it, and I'm like... This preaches right here. Are you with me? By the way, by the way, the prince, you, you know, know the story? The prince, he turned into a beast. You know why he turned into a beast? Because he was so selfish and had so much pride that there was a curse on him that turned him into a beast. And I'm like, that preaches right there. What happened was, is the curse was on him that made him what he looked like on the inside. It just made him look like that on the outside. Some of you are going to watch Beauty and the Beast again. I know it. You're going to go home. You're like, wow, this is amazing. He was selfish. He was prideful. And he had an inability to love. And therefore, a curse cursed him to the point where he just looked like on the outside what was going on on the inside. And then her father gets trapped in the castle, something along these lines. Belle goes to look for her father, finds her father in a dungeon in the castle, and the beast shows up, and Belle offers to replace her father in the dungeon so that her father can be set free. Are you kidding me? This is the gospel right here. In Beauty and the Beast... A tale as old as time. No, I won't start singing. This is the guy, go- and she replaces her dad in the, the dungeon so that she. And then, and then he is like so like blown away by this love that eventually he realizes that she loves him, even though he doesn't look lovable. That she can still love him sacrificially, and he's willing to let her go. You should watch the movie. It's amazing. You should go to the sing along. It's the gospel in the theater at epcot you should do i'm telling you this is disney find found out how beautiful it is to have sacrificial love right don't make me stand up here and look like a fool talking about beauty and the beast come on help me out people If you haven't seen the movie, you're gonna see it's about repentance, it's about pride, it's about not knowing how to love, and the only thing that's gonna break that curse is understanding sacrificial love. And this is what Paul is trying to help this church understand, that it's about actively being sacrificial towards one another. It's actively being sacrificial that your faith and mine has less to do with you and has more to do with the person next to you. And it's looking at the person next to you going, my love for you is humble and submissive. And my love for you, person next to you, is gonna be sacrificial. Because that's the mindset that I'm to have, because that's the mindset that Jesus had. And if Jesus can do it, I should be able to do it. If King of Kings, Lord of Lords, God Almighty can do it, I should be able to do it. I should be able to empty myself. I should be able to take on as a bond servant, not just act the part, but actually be a servant to somebody next to me. This is what love looks like. It's what love looks like. And I'm telling you, when you and I do that, people, people will look at that and go, wow, there's life change. Wow, what they do for each other, I've never seen it before. And when you humble yourself, there's a promise that goes along with it. When you humble yourself, it says that God exalts you. And that's what happened to Jesus, verse nine. He says, for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. For what purpose? To the glory of God the Father. That your life and mine is about being, having humility and submission and being sacrificial and that ultimately is a promise that goes along with that is that God will exalt you. Now, he may never exalt you here, but he will exalt you in heaven. You may never get exalted here, but you will get exalted in heaven. And our job, our responsibility and our privilege really is to humble ourselves and submit ourselves to one another. So questions before I pray. Who's the person next to you that you need to submit to? Who's the person next to you that you need to submit to? Question number two, is your inner spiritual life a beauty or a beast? Is your inner spiritual life a beauty? Is it pure? Is it loving? Is it submitting? Is it sacrificial? Or is it prideful? Is it selfish? Is it looking at your own interest and not at the interest of others? And the third thing, how can you be a conduit of love to fill another's cup? How can you show this kind of love that when you get love from God, that it's just a conduit to love and to love somebody else, to fill somebody else's cup. It's not about you, your cup being filled and whatever spills over that somebody can try to catch in their cup. No, 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 no. It is about you being a conduit of love so that you can fill someone else's cup because that's what gives glory to God and that's what identifies you as a follower of Jesus. Paul says, A fruit, that fruit is love. Love is submissive. Love is sacrificial to the you next to you. Let's pray. Father, oftentimes we allow our selfishness and our spiritual pride to get in the way of our true purpose and calling in this life. And that is to love one another in the same way that you loved us. You emptied yourself. You gave up privilege as almighty to come and to serve us and to put on flesh and blood and to humble himself and to become obedient to the point of death, even death on a Roman cross. What an example that you gave to every single one of us. And I pray that we don't just act like servants, that we become and are servants to each other. That we demonstrate that we are followers of you, not because of how great we pray or how, much, how many ministries we have or how much we give or how much we know of the scripture, even though all of those things are important. But that we demonstrate that we're followers of you based on how we love sacrificially each other the person next to us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Have a great week, everybody. See you soon.